Revelation chapter 11 this morning. As I told the early service, we're just going to crack the surface of this chapter and uh, hopefully uh, what I want you to do is follow the flow of Scripture this morning. Uh, don't so much... Uh, I spelled Revelation wrong up there. I just see that. That's not a good thing for me to do. But uh, anyway... Follow the flow of Scripture. Follow along with what I'm saying, but let Scripture speak because that's what's important. Now, I told the early service that we have a number of Christians across the world, evangelical Christians, who believe some things, especially about this book of Revelation, that are just simply not in the Bible. They can draw some conclusions, but they, they teach some things the Bible doesn't say. And as Baptists, we're people of the book. And so I think it's very important that we stay true to the Scripture itself, that we let the Bible speak, and so we look at what the Bible has to say. Uh, When I was in seminary, uh, uh, I had a professor, uh, Dr. Ray Frank Robbins, uh, one of my favorite professors, and people would ask him off-the-wall questions, and whenever they did, he would pull his glasses down down to the end of his nose he would look over his glasses and say, if the Bible doesn't speak of it, neither can we. He would push his glasses back up on his nose. John Henry, you probably remember that if you ever had him, and he would go right on, never answer the question. So this is especially true of the book of Revelation. We need to be true to the Bible. For that reason, uh, you'll finally, uh, you'll eventually come across some passage of Scripture You'll have to say, as we will this morning, we don't know exactly what this means. There are so many different interpretations of this particular passage of Scripture. I have numerous commentaries in my office. I've looked through them all, and every one of them will have something different they will say about this passage. So what we want to do is basically find the heart of what it's saying about these two verses, looking carefully and prayerfully allowing the Bible to guide us. Now, last week I told you that some people take the book of Revelation and they put a chronological framework on it from the very first chapter. They say everything flows in a number line from beginning to end, just straight, just like this, one event right after the other. Others would say what you see here are cycles. You see a cycle to the end and then another cycle because you have all of these sevens. And I'll show you a little bit of that this morning, but what I told you that I like to do is I like to look at the book in layers. I like to think of it as many different pictures, one laying right on top of the other, each one giving us the complete picture that the Lord wants us to see. Maybe you'll see that as we go this morning. So to begin the emphasis or the flow of what we're looking at this morning, we need to go all the way back to chapter 6, and I just want to remind you of some verses in chapter 6 to give you this to help show you the theme of what we're looking at this morning in chapter 11 we begin in chapter 6 verse 12 remember this is at the six seals the six seals the seven seals are being opened this is the sixth seal that's open chapter 6 verse 12 then i looked when he broke the sixth seal and there was notice everything that happens there was a great earthquake And the sun became as black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky 
fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to stand? That is the picture that you see in this passage of Scripture. You see wrath. So the greatest danger, here's the first point in the message, the greatest danger in the book of Revelation is the impending wrath of God. The greatest danger is not what men can do to you. The greatest danger is not what Satan can do to you. The greatest danger is not what the Antichrist can do to you. The greatest danger in the book of Revelation is the impending wrath of God. And so you see when you the sixth seal is broken, wrath has come, hasn't it? No, wrath doesn't come. Instead, when you come to chapter 7, there is a pause. There we find four angels pictured who are holding back the winds of God's judgment. Uh, and instead of wrath coming, you find this pause so that God's servants can be sealed for protection. They're marked as belonging to God. What are they protected from? Are they protected from tribulation? Are they protected from sickness? Are they protected from sorrow? Are they protected from suffering? Are they protected from death? No, they are protected from wrath. They are protected from the judgments of God that are going to be poured out on the earth. Next, we come to chapter 8 where we're introduced to seven angels with seven trumpets and the angels blow the trumpets and things begin to happen. It's so bad that by the time the sixth angel blows his trumpet, we have to say the end must be about to come. As a matter of fact, in chapter 10, verses 6 and 7, the Bible says that when the seventh angel blows his trumpet, time will be no longer. There will be no more delay. The mystery of God will be finished as he's preached to his servants, the prophets. But just like what happened at the end of chapter 6 when the sixth seal was broken, instead of the end coming, instead we find another pause. There's a mighty angel with a revelation for John. He's told he has more preaching to do. And then we read these words in chapter 11. Now we come to chapter 11, verse 1. Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. Now I'm showing you this repeating pattern. Six seals, then a pause, then the protection of God's people before the seventh, then another series of sevens. This time it's seven trumpets, six trumpets sound, then a pause, then the protection of God's people before the seventh. This is what I want you to see this morning. The title of the message is The Protection of God's People. Now, in order to see this more fully, I'm going to ask you to look at the book of Zechariah because chapter 11 of the book of Revelation flows out of the second chapter and the fourth chapter 
of the book of Zechariah. So let me uh, identify these verses. I'll read them in just a moment. But before we do, let me again call your attention to this verse. Then I was giving a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. Here's point number two. If the greatest danger in the book of Revelation is the impending judgment of God, the greatest need in the book of Revelation is protection from the judgment of God. Now, or from the wrath of God. Look at Zechariah chapter 2, and you're going to see a similar picture as you see in chapter 11, verse 1 of Revelation. Zechariah writes, And I lifted my eyes, and I saw, and behold, I saw a man with a measuring line in his hand. Then I said, Where are you going? And he said to me, To measure Jerusalem, and to see what is its width and what is its length. You know, uh, sometimes we use this expression, I'm going to measure you. I'm going to find out what you're made of. This is the whole point here. It's not measuring to see so much the size, but it's measuring to see who you are and to measure, to measure for protection. You'll see this in this passage. And behold, the angel who talked with me came forward, and another angel came forward to meet him and said to him, Run to say to that young man, Jerusalem shall be inhabited without, as villages without walls, because of the multitude of people and livestock in it. And here's the word. It's measured because, this is the assurance, it's being measured because God says, I will be to her a wall of fire all around, declares the Lord, and will be the glory in her midst. Now, what's pictured in the book of Zechariah? In these verses, we see the protection and preservation of God's people. And if you read the chapter and you understand the Old Testament, the context of Zechariah chapter 2 is God's people are in captivity in Babylon. It is much as said so in the verses. They're in Babylon. God is bringing them home, providentially bringing them home. They are rebuilding the temple at that moment. That's what they're doing. Uh, and so Jerusalem is going to be protected. God's people are going to be protected not by walls, not by power, but by God himself. Now we sing about this. We have, a, we have a song based on this passage in the book of Zechariah. You may not know about it, but I'm going to quote it to you. Try to. You sing it. You've sung it before. You know it. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's all the world to me, the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. He's the lily of the valley. In him alone I see all I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow, he's my comfort. In trouble, he's my stay. He tells me every care on him to roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. He, all my grief, has taken and all my sorrows borne from my heart, and now he keeps me by his power. I've all for him forsaken and all my idols torn from my heart. And, well, I got, got, it, got a little wrong here. He, all my grief has taken and all my sorrows borne in temptation. He's my strong and mighty tower. I've all for him forsaken. I've all my idols torn from my heart, 
and now he keeps me by his power. Though all the world forsake me, and Satan tempts me sore, through Jesus I shall safely reach the goal. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. And now the passage from Zechariah. He'll never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here while I live by faith and do his blessed will. A wall of fire about me. I've nothing now to fear. With his manna, he my hungry soul shall fill. Then sweeping up to glory to see his blessed face, where rivers of delight shall ever roll, he's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. But he's a wall of fire about me. We sing about this protection that God has given us. Are we protected from suffering? Are we protected from sickness? I'm not. Are you? Are we protected from, from death? No, we're not. But are we protected from the wrath of God? Yes, we are. And so what you have here is God's people being protected. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who can cast both soul and body into hell. And then Jesus said, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father. So twice in this book, we've seen the judgment of God that seems about to fall, but it stopped so that God's people might either be sealed or measured or protected. So who will be protected from the wrath of God? Well, that's also in this verse that we've been looking at, chapter 11, verse 1. Because you'll see John is told to measure the temple and those who worship there. This is one of those times I wish the, we were a little more specific with our Greek words. Because the Greek word, let me, let me remind you first that the word temple it appears ten times in the book of Revelation. Eight of the ten times the word temple is referred to, it refers to the temple in heaven, which at the end of the book, there's no temple in heaven, but God's temple in heaven, either you being a pillar in God's temple, and so, but the word, it's the same word every time, and it's not the word for the whole temple, okay? So we're not talking about the whole temple that's being measured. The word is the naos, and that's the holy place and the holy of holies. In some Bibles, it might be translated sanctuary. That's the part that's being measured. And so what, what John is told to do is to measure that part. And so that's the part that is protected. So... Uh, Every time the word temple appears in the book of Revelation, it is that same word referring to the holy, holy place and the holy of holies. Now look at chapter 11, verse 2. Do not measure the court outside the temple. Now, you think, and I think, when we read that, it's talking about something that's outside the temple. But let's just think about we're measuring the church. So John says, measure the church. 
But then he says, instead of measuring the whole church, just measure the sanctuary and measure the people who worship there. The people that go to the rest of the church, the people that just go to Sunday school but don't come to the sanctuary, don't measure them. Just measure the people in the sanctuary. That's the picture here. The picture is that what's not in the sanctuary, those not in the holy place or the holy of holies are not measured. Everybody else is left out. So here in chapter 11, we're not dealing with all the worshipers. We're just dealing with the ones who worship in the holy place or the holy of holies. Now here's the question. As you know, perhaps, nobody could go into the holy of holies in the temple or the holy place, but the priest, only the priest could go into the holy place, and only the high priest could go into the holy of holies. So if that's the place where you have to be, to be measured, to be protected from the wrath of God, how do we get there to be protected from the wrath of God? This is where an understanding of the New Testament is so important for us. Never forget, when you read anything in your New Testament, don't forget to read the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is so incredibly important. Now you think, how in the world, if I have to be, if to be safe from God's wrath, I have to be in this holy place, the holy of holies, how do I get there? Let's read from Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. We're going to read several passages. They should be on the screen. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled person with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. He's talking about Jesus going into the holy place, the holy of holies. Now, chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter, who? Who? We. You, me. We have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, and there we are protected from the wrath of God. Being protected from the wrath of God is not by being in some physical location. Not for anybody. Not ever. A Jew will never be saved by rebuilding the temple. That's not salvation. Salvation comes through the blood of Jesus. There is 
no other name given among men whereby we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. Only through the blood of Jesus is a person saved and protected from the wrath of God. That changes our perspective just a little bit, doesn't it? Now, Hebrews 9, verse 24. For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies, copies, never more than that, of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf, nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood not his own, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as, as, he, as it is, he has appeared once for all. At the end of the ages, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed to, for man to die once, and after this comes judgment, so having been offered once to bear the sins of many, Christ will appear a second time, not to deal with sin but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Where is the safe place? Is the safe place in the temple? Is that the safe place? No. The safe place is not in the sanctuary, not in the church. The safe place is in Jesus, trusting Jesus, putting your hope in Jesus. So the question is, are you protected? Are you unprotected? Where is your hope? Where is your confidence? Where is your trust? Are you putting your trust in some good works that you've done? Maybe you say, well, I put a lot of money in the offering plate. when it." Maybe you're putting your confidence in something you do. That's no good. Our only hope, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. That's true for everybody for everybody in the world. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. That was not this group and not that group. It was everybody. It was the Jew first and also for you and for me. And later, not some other plan for some other group of people, but always one plan, always one point that God had. And that was to send Jesus to be the one perfect sacrifice once for all. So the greatest danger in the book of Revelation is the impending wrath of God. And the greatest need in the book of Revelation is to be protected from the wrath of God. And only those who come through the blood of Jesus will be protected from the wrath of God. That's the song sung at the very beginning. To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. But what about you? Are you protected or unprotected? You know, I know that down through the years, the church had an emphasis on people joining the church. You need to join the church. And so people joined the church, but they never joined the Lord Jesus Christ. They never put their trust in him. They put their trust in their church membership. Church membership 
is a ship that will never reach heaven's harbor. You'll never get there on church membership. You'll only get to heaven. You're only protected from the wrath of God if, if, if your faith is in Jesus and in Jesus alone. He'll be a wall of fire about you so that you'll have nothing to fear. You're measured, protected, sealed, saved, safe. Is that you? Let's pray.